0: And all, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Fridays are my favorite show. There always have been. Fridays are always everybody's favorite show. One, it's the end of the week, the end of the work week, anyways. So it's an exciting time. Get ready for your weekend, all that fun stuff. During football season, it's Football Friday, so you just talk a shit ton of football. But that's what we do all the time, anyways. And let me tell you, ain't going to be much different in today's show. So just before we get started, go and follow The Logan Blackman Show at all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram. Go like the Facebook page. All of them should pop up if you just search Logan Blackman or The Logan Blackman Show. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel and go, of course, follow the Apple Podcast and Spotify account and give it a rating. And I'm sorry if I, like, you know, make some bodily functions throughout the the course of the show. I'll just call it bodily functions. I'm not going to say exactly which bodily functions because it could be anything. But I just got back from dinner with my grandparents. So as you know, my parents are in Hawaii, so I'm by myself. So my grandparents on my mom's side and my dad's side are taking me out to eat. Isn't that just fantastic, being great grandparents? So on Saturday, I went out to eat with my nana and papa. Those are my grandparents on my mom's side. We went to Ohana, or Ohana... Outback Steakhouse, two totally different places on Saturday. that I went out to eat with them last night because it was my Uncle Sean's birthday. We went to Chicago Speakeasy, which was very good as well. And then tonight, I went to eat dinner with my grandma and grandpa, which are my dad's parents. And we went to Noah's. Noah's, Ark. it's a really amazing Italian restaurant here in Des Moines. It is my favorite Italian. It's my favorite restaurant in Des Moines, bar none. That's where I go for every big occasion that's ever happened to me in my life. Birthdays, graduations, all of these types of things. That's where I want to go. They had the best ravioli of all time. So if you get it, get the homemade ravioli with salsa di pomodoro, get that. So I had Noah's for dinner and then I had a Graziano sandwich for lunch. For those of you who don't know what Graziano's is, that's another Des Moines thing. It's an Italian-like I don't know, a grocery store. They sell sandwiches there. They're the best freaking, or not the best, but they're good sandwiches. It's got, it's one of my favorite stores in Des Moines. So we went local today. We even ate breakfast at a quick trip this morning, which I guess is not really entirely local, but it's in Iowa. So you know what will count it. But yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little bloated. I just took my dog for a walk just a little bit ago right before the show started to help burn off some of the the insane amount of carbs I just inhaled, essentially, at Noah's. It was delicious. And then after Noah's, we went to Dairy Queen to get some ice cream. So I'm not feeling the best right now. Like, I'm happy, but my body's like, Ugh, Logan, weighed a lot of food in a very short amount of time. The amount know, of bread, carbs we ate, and that amount of time was, it can kill somebody. Thankfully, I am a beacon of health, so I'm good, for right now anyways, at 8.45 here on this Thursday night edition of the Logan Blackman Show, this Friday Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, for those of you listening. On these Friday shows, just a little thing I want to talk about before we get into the actual show, Fridays are where I'm going to start trying to get a guest on. I tried to get a guest on today, he couldn't make it on, but I did text him to... Be fair to him, I texted him at 6 o'clock right when we were at Noah's, so 5.30, 6 o'clock, so I didn't really give him a lot of heads up. Like when T-Boy was on last week, he told me he wanted to be on a show Tuesday, and I said, can we do the show for Friday, and then you can come on. So that's what we ended up doing, him coming on a Friday show. So if you want to be on a show, just shoot me a message, or I'll shoot you a message, then we can get something going, because I, I, I think it'll be fun to have guests on because I have a lot of really interesting friends that do a lot of different things from one another. I have a very, I don't want to say I'm not, I wouldn't put it like this. I'm not popular. (laughs) I'm not like I was never in the popular group in school. I mean, I could hang out with people in the quote unquote popular group, but I wasn't like intertwined with that group where I had to hang out with them. I just have a lot of friends that are very different from one another. Like T-Boy, I played football with him. Throughout high school, we practiced together outside of football all the time. We hung out before every single game in high school. We would come back to my house, we would get Bebops, which is not the best thing to eat before a football game, but hey, he was a thousand yard rusher. So I don't think it's really it, it, it really affected him too much. But we'd come back here play FIFA every game. So we play every before every game. So we play FIFA, we played actual football together, we practiced together, we hung out together, and then I have friends that I went to church with that are a little different, that are more musician-typed, music, musical types. Uh, the friend I had wanted on today, I, which I thought about all day and then didn't text him until about 5.30, 6 o'clock, he's a rapper and does a lot of different artistic stuff. You can go check out his website, creatingavisionenterprise.com. Just search Cave. It might pop up. His Instagram account is just ag. So if you want to go find that, he's not following anybody, so it's going to be hard to try and find his, his account, but he's super talented. I got a picture of Kendrick Lamar that he painted on my wall in my room in Cedar Falls. I've got a few shirts that are his. One of my favorite sweatshirts is Troglite sweatshirt. i got a Troglite hat. He's one of the most talented people, one of, my, one of the most talented friends that I have. Not, just, not even just friends, just talented people. So I just wanted him to come on We talk rap. He even freestyles. So I was hoping we could do some freestyle. That was the goal for today. But again, this is bad planning on my part. When you haven't had guests on in the four and a half years the show has been on, you've had two guests in total discounting the interviews I did with Will McElvain, Austin Fife, and Taylor Lewan, where those were just YouTube interviews. We didn't actually put them on a podcast, which in hindsight probably should have done that. But you know, you live, you live, you live and you learn, right? I've had one guest on before I had T-boy on the other week. That was coach Hafner at William Penn. And that was required to have a guest on. I have never actually openly tried to get guests on the show, which is a bad thing on my part, I guess. But I think I want to start doing that more because I think i would get a very interesting conversations from all my different friends that I have. Because again, I have very different friends from one another. They're all different. My friend groups that I hang out in, each one's different. And I think it'd be fun to have different friends from different friend groups or even the same friend group come on and just talk random crap. And it's fun. Because I love, bull- I lo- I love BSing. It's one of my favorite things to do. That's what I do the entire time of my show, anyways. So, again, if you want to come on, shoot me a message. If not, I'll shoot you a message. And then you can tell me no, shoot me down, but do it politely, please. And yeah, we move on. But that being said, we've got an exciting show today. We're going to talk a lot of NFL draft, obviously. Daniel Jeremiah, who I have openly said a thousand times, he's the guy that you should follow if you want to start following the NFL draft closer. Daniel Jeremiah is definitely the guy to do that. He released his top 50 prospects 2.0 the other day. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Mel Kuyper released his mock draft today. So we'll talk about that as well. This is the first mock draft, and I noticed this today. And then they started talking about it on Twitter and stuff. If you don't know Mel Kuyper, which I think everybody knows Mel Kuyper, but in his mock drafts, he's always had a rule. He never makes trades because he's not a GM. He's not responsible for the trades. It's not fair to project trades. This is the first mock draft that I've ever seen of his that has trades. And it's a doozy. Let's just put it like that. It's a very interest, it, geez, an interesting draft. This is what I was talking about with the bodily function type thing. This is exactly what I was talking about. And then while we're also talking about Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, we're not going to go over the full list. We're just going to talk about interesting places for specific players, players that stick out to me. And then once we get through the top five, I'll reveal my top five players for the 2021 NFL draft. And each person that does these things values different things in a prospect. Like one person could value speed more than anything. One person could value leadership or toughness over another thing. It's all very subjective on what your draft board looks like, which is the fun and the pain of the NFL draft, or just drafts in general, because it's a very unscientific process to where we don't really know how good these guys We're backing on it. We're hoping. We're seeing what this guy does sometimes in workouts, which is one thing I'm happy about with the NFL combine not taking place. We don't have players that shouldn't be anywhere near the first round, getting drafted in the first round, because sometimes that happens. I'm not saying John Ross wouldn't have taken out, would have been a second or third round player. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a first rounder, but that 40-yard dash, if he didn't have that, there's no way in hell John Brown is the, no, not John Brown, John Ross, is the ninth overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no way. If he doesn't break Chris Johnson's 40-yard dash record, he's not a first round, at least top 10 pick He was a good wide receiver for Washington, but not number nine. That was very high, and it was kind of like a whoa moment in the draft where everybody was kind of confused on why that happened. Because there's people, uh, Kevin Miala, I think that's his name, played for the Eagles in the 90s. He was a combine freak, or early 2000s, I can't remember exactly. He played at Boston College. He got drafted with like the seventh overall pick because he he trained excessively hard on the drills they were doing at the combine. He wasn't a day one pick and he got drafted in the top 10 because of his combine workout. So that's kind of what I'm happy about the combine not taking place. Now, I love watching the combine. It's one of my favorite things to watch. Not necessarily taking a lot away from it. There's some drills you can take some things away from like three cone drills. Those are decently important drills to look at but there's not really a lot of drills that could simulate what we're actually going to do in an actual game. Like the 40-yard dash is just a bunch of bullshit, but it's fun to watch. It's very competitive. At William Penn, when we were testing 40-yard dash times, that was the one everybody cared about. That and the vertical jump. A lot of people wanted to see they say they could jump higher than the other person. And it was a really weird thing. It was like that mat thing where you just jump up and you land on the mat and it tells you how high you jumped or how long you were in the air. It calculates how long you were in the air and how high you would have jumped or something like that. I don't know. I'm not paid high enough to know all of that stuff. But the 40-yard dash is ultra-competitive. So like Henry Ruggs last year, he said he was going to break John Ross's 40-yard dash time. Didn't. It hurt him. He wanted to break that record. Regardless, it's a fun thing to do. And speed in the NFL nowadays is more important to a lot of people than a lot of things. Tyreek Hill has changed the game in that aspect. And that you're looking for speed in wide receivers. John Ross is not a top 10 pick without the 40 in Tyreek Hill. Then you've got Jalen Rager is not picked over Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson wasn't a first round pick until he ran a sub 5-4 four or four five five forty or something like that. There was talks about him going day two if he didn't run a decently fast 40, even though he was third in the nation in receiving yards. And then Jalen Rager passed him because he was faster than him. Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver drafted last year. And that's not just saying... I'm not saying Henry Ruggs was solely drafted off his speed. It definitely helped. But Henry Ruggs has really good hands. He had like two drops in his time at Alabama, which is insanely impressive. But I don't really care that the combine's not here. It's a fun thing to watch. But much like what I said about Trevor Lawrence's pro day, especially with the quarterbacks, you can't take anything away from a combine, from a quarterback perspective. You can't. It's literally impossible. Because any quarterback can look good on air. We've talked about this about a thousand times, even before we did the Trevor Lawrence thing. Like, at the Blue-Grey All-American camp, they had a regional combine down in Missouri. It was at Missouri, Southeast Missouri State or something like that, the Griffiths. I can't remember what school that is. That was where the combine was. And if you made it past that, you got to go to the National Combine. They had like three different National Combine locations. Yeah, I went in Jacksonville, Dallas, and Canton. I went to the Canton one. So that means I was good enough from their standpoint to make it past the Regional Combine. I was ranked third out of 25 quarterbacks or so from all across the Midwest, and even some from across the nation, mostly the Midwest folks who's in Missouri. Southwestern Missouri State, I think, they're, whatever. They're the Griffins. That's all I can remember about this stupid place. Like, any quarterback can look good on earth. I'm not the greatest quarterback ever. I've said this a thousand times. I'm not trying to toot my own horn like I'm this amazing quarterback. I was good for my stand. I thought I could have played more, but that's a whole, nother, whole other situation I'm not even going to try and get into right now. But that was a good camp. Third out of 25 quarterbacks is pretty impressive when you got all these people that are supposedly very very good i was up there on my accuracy that was the main reason i had one incompletion that entire camp because it was on air you're not simulating anything on air it's impossible to do that all these quarterbacks would looked good now you got like quarterbacks like josh allen that could just show off your arm strength a little bit the is really just a show off drill show off thing you shouldn't really take a whole lot away from it but people do that's their prerogative. I'm not going to sit here and say you can't take anything away of it because people will. You can take stuff away from it if you want. I'm just here saying you really can't. It's fun to watch, sure. But if it's not on, whatever. It's a big opportunity for a lot of these players. Just even to get invited to the Combine is a really cool thing. But it shouldn't really have that big of a, as big of a, barometer on people's draft stock as it does because again most of the time the combine drills stay the exact same so you can take advantage of that and boost your draft stock a lot more than what it probably should be there's a lot of players that get their draft stock boosted because they had a great combine but aren't really as good of a football player they're great workout people but not great football players and there's a big difference like tom brady had one of the worst combines ever He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Like your Combine not, I don't know. We've talked about this enough. I'm not really going to go into the whole Combine situation again. I will once the Combine date is, once it gets here, because that's March 8th through the 11th, I think, when the Combine was supposed to go on, but obviously it got canceled due to COVID. But yeah, it's an interesting time. Very interesting time, but it's it's fun. There's a, There's a clock going off behind me, and it's, it's throwing me off. It was throwing me off. I'm sorry. I had to to stop there a little bit, but man, combine, combine, combine. A lot of people take a lot of different things away from a lot of dings, but that is one big one that a lot of people take a lot from right, wrong, or otherwise. So here is Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 players of the 2021 NFL draft. In his top five, It's not too surprising. I think you will not find a lot of... You'll find... It's hard... You're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't have Trevor Lawrence as their number one overall prospect, and that's what Daniel Jeremiah has. The other day, he compared him to Justin Herbert's body with Deshaun Watson's skill set, which is a very good skill set to have. And we'll talk about Deshaun Watson a little bit later in the show, same with Russell Wilson. I want to talk about the draft a little bit first. But Trevor Lawrence is undoubtedly... The number one player in this draft. He's undoubtedly the number one quarterback in this draft. I don't understand why people rank people like Mac Jones or Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence, especially Mac Wilson. I like Mac Wilson, but you can't tell me he does anything better than Trevor Lawrence. That's the real thing we got. Does he do anything better than him? Not really. Looking at the grand scheme of things, even, like, physical tools. He's not taller than him. He's not bigger than him. Sure as hell he's not as fast as him. He doesn't have as strong of an arm. You could argue with me that Mac Jones is more accurate, but I think even that's nitpicky with Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have the luscious locks of Trevor Lawrence. And again, I like Mac Jones. His draft profile sounds a lot like Tom Brady's draft profile. We've talked about that before. Again, not saying he will be Tom Brady or is Tom Brady, But his draft profile sounds a lot like the former Michigan quarterback. Seven time. Like Jimmy Johnson. Seven time. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence, undoubtedly the number one prospect in the draft. Next, to Jamar Chase, and then Kyle Pitts is number three. To me, Kyle Pitts is the second best player in this draft. Kyle Pitts is an absolute freak of nature. He's had no drops in the red zone, 31 targets. He has rarely, barely any drops throughout his college career, and he's never fumbled the ball. In over 100 catches, he's never fumbled the ball. He doesn't have any drops. He doesn't fumble. According to Pro Football Focus, he's the number one tight end against cornerbacks. When, when tight ends are usually covered by linebackers and safeties, he's matched up against corners and still beats them. He's 6'6", 245 pounds, somewhere around there. He is an athletic freak. A freak. (laughs) Vernon Davis was drafted in the top 10. Kyle Pitts is a very similar tight end to Vernon Davis, but I would argue he's better than Vernon Davis coming out of the draft. I think, and I had this in my mock draft, and this this will be like a little teaser to Mock Draft 3.0, because I already typed it up today, because <laughs> it's fun. And I'll release it in two weeks. I've got a two-week period for drafts. So I released my first Mock Draft on the 8th, and next one the 22nd. So the next Mock Draft I release will be on March 8th, the start, the supposed to start date for the 2021 NFL Combine. But Kyle Pitts is the second best player in this draft, in my opinion. There's no one in this draft... That can do what he does. That Compared to the other tight ends, he's clear. He could honestly be listed as a number one receiver and not look out of place. If you put wide receiver on his name, you would, he wouldn't look out of place. Watch his game against Ole Miss, the first game of the season for Florida. Good lord. I watched that game on my laptop up in Cedar Falls, and I was in awe the entire time. The way him and Kyle Trask linked up against Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss does not have the best defense. But that shouldn't take anything away from how amazing Kyle Pitts was in that game. He doesn't drop the ball. He doesn't fumble the ball. He's 6'6", 245 pounds. He's the number one tight against corners. Dude's a beast. He is one of those where you could honestly probably consider him a can't miss, but we talked about that before, how can't miss is the dumbest phrase in the draft. Because you never know what circumstances can take place with these players. Because can't miss is something you hear almost every draft. And sure, sometimes it's accurate. Like when Quentin Nelson was getting drafted by the Colts in 2018. He was considered a can't miss prospect. He's been named first team All-Pro three straight years. He's been in the league three years. First team All-Pro every year. He's the best guard in the NFL. Yeah, can't miss works sometimes. But other times it doesn't work. And it hurts And having that label of can't miss and then you miss, it's a problem. Like Josh Rosen, when he was drafted, we talked about Josh Rosen last week a little bit about his immaturity. A lot of people said Josh Rosen was the quarterback that was ready to play right away. And he's been on four teams in three years. He didn't even make it off Tampa Bay's practice squad. It's like, can't miss. We get in trouble with projecting things on players. And sometimes it's good. Penny Sewell is another one that is that can't-miss prospect. But, man, you can miss. You definitely can miss. And for Jamar Chase, I think he's the best receiver in the draft class. The things he can do, and people forget about how good Jamar Chase was at LSU when they won the national championship game. The reason I had Devontae Smith going to the Miami Dolphins with the third pick the first time is because of the obvious link with Tua. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. They came in together. Uh, the touchdown pass against Georgia, and the natty was to Devontae Smith by Tua. Tua, when he was the starting quarterback for Alabama, unquestioned starter. Devontae Smith was the leading receiver with four other first round wide re- or three other first-round wide receivers on the roster. Jamar Chase is a beast. He has the most touchdowns over the last two years of 20-plus yards, and he only played one of those two years. Jamar Chase is a freaking animal. And Dan Jeremiah compared him to Anquan Bolden. Who, for those of you who never got the chance to watch Anquan Bolden, I would recommend go and watch some highlights. Go and watch the play where he got his head absolutely slammed in. I think it was against the Rams while well, he was on the Cardinals. One of the worst hits you'll probably see around the NFL. Getting his head sandwiched between two Rams. I think it was the Rams defenders. But Jamar Chase, getting compared to Anquan Bolden, is Awesome. Fourth, Zach Wilson. I have him just out the top five. I have a hard time ranking quarterbacks against other players in the draft because we're talking about overall football players. Most of the time, other football players are better athletes than the quarterback. But Zach Wilson, I could, I don't rank him in the top five, but I rank him in the top ten. But four just seems a little higher than five is Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. I love Caleb Farley. He's got the size people look for now. He's very athletic. He's played multiple positions. He's only really played corner for two years, and he's going to be a top ten pick. That's the thing, like Trey Lance, like we talked about before. That's what a lot of teams look for. The rawness. He's not finished product yet. He's, we can mold him into something. That's the main has the main goal here, and they have he has him at number five. Jalen Waddle at six. Makes sense. I have Jalen Waddle as the next best wide receiver in this draft class because if you look at what him and Devontae Smith were doing together, Jalen Waddle would look like to be a more likely Heisman candidate than the eventual Heisman winner before he broke his ankle against Tennessee. Jalen Waddle is an elite wide receiver. He's not just a speedster. Dude is an elite wide receiver, an elite weapon. He can do anything for you on the football field. He's the out of, if you look up the term weapon in this draft, you could find Jalen Waddell and Kyle Pitts and then Kadarius Toney. I think you could throw him in that conversation as well. Those are weapons right there. They're game changers. They're elite players. Jalen Waddle, if he can stay healthy, which obviously that broken ankle against Tennessee is going to be a big barometer for his draft stock, but I think he's a top 10 pick easily. I think he should go to either the Eagles or Lions. I think that should be a nailed-on thing. I think he should go second out of the wide receivers. I love Devonte Smith. I love his story, but I think Jalen Waddle is a better wide receiver. Even though, and that might sound blasphemous, but I think Jalen Waddle, if he stayed healthy, would have been more likely to win the Heisman than Devonte Smith. Again, go back and listen to old Cole Company shows where I talked about Jalen Waddle as a Heisman dark horse before he got hurt. Jalen Waddle's is awesome. And I love that. I love Devontae Smith. And I love that people are talking about Devontae Smith because he deserves all the praise in the world because he's the freaking Heisman Trophy winner. But Jalen Waddle, I think, should go higher than Devontae Smith. Next Rashawn Slater. He has him as the number one off to tackle in the draft. I have Penny Sewell as the number one offensive to tackle in the draft. But they're very close in my eyes. I think they're very, very similar. I mean, not similar, but they're very neck. They're very- neck and neck is the best way I could describe it. They're awesome prospects. I love both of them. Rashawn Slater's a little smaller than Penny Sewell, but a couple inches shorter than Sewell. I think Sewell's around 6'5". Slater's six foot three. But if you look at the players, Rashawn Slater went up against at Northwestern. It was re- watch his game for Northwestern against Ohio State, where he went up against Chase Young. And then, come back to me on your analysis of Rashawn Slater. One of the best pass blockers, one of the best overall blockers. His versatility is insane, because again, that's another thing teams look for. Versatility in players is very key. Offensive line, wide receiver, running back, whatever. Versatility is big in drafts. Very big. Which is why, another reason why I think Jalen Wall could go, or should go above a guy like Devontae Smith. Who is at number eight in this list? I think that's fair. Devontae Smith's a top 10 player in this draft. His weight is going to be concerning to a lot of people in this draft class. 175 pounds soaking wet, I would say. I don't know if he's 175 pounds because in high school, when you were giving your height and weight, they didn't actually measure you. They just said, what's your height? What's your weight? I don't know what they did at Alabama. We did the same thing at William Penn. Six foot 190. That's what I weighed at William Penn. I'm about 215 now. I was 210 when I left William Penn, because I put on a lot of muscle there. Now it's kind of a mixture of muscle and uh, loose skin and fat. (laughs) It's a lot of of varying things have changed in Logan Blackman's body since William Penn. (laughs) But Devontae Smith, you could add 10 pounds to your weight in high school. You could add two inches and like 10 pounds in high school. It was 10 or 20 pounds. I can't really remember. But... There might be a chance he's 165 pounds. He's six foot one, 175 soaking wet. I know he did that against SEC competition. I don't think it will harm him in the NFL, but that's small. That's very small. That, might, that will hurt him a little bit in this draft process. Because I saw this on Twitter today. Someone said the same thing of he went up against SEC defenders and that was fine. But yeah, this was something I didn't really think about. He was going up against 18- to 23-year-olds. He's going up against grown men now. He's not going up against 18- to 23-year-olds. That weight might be a little issue. not saying it's going to be a massive issue for him, but it's going to be something he's going to probably have to overcome. But it might be the same thing as, like, Kyler Murray or Doug Flutie, where it's like, I've been playing this way my entire life. I know no different. This is how we're going to do things. And they succeeded. Doug Flutie later in his career with the Buffalo Bills, Kyler Murray won the frickin'... Uh, rookie of the year regardless of what you think about that trophy if you think Josh Jacobs should have won it that year that's fine I voted for Kyler Murray I like Devontae Smith and then Penny Sewell at nine we kind of already talked about him he's a massive dude he's bigger than Rashawn Slater but he's opted out he's got a little less playing time than Rashawn Slater he's not as versatile as Rashawn Slater but he could easily play both tackle positions right and left tackle interior line I don't know if he could do the same thing as Rashawn Slater could but I think he's I don't know it's very they're close Rashawn Slater and Penny Sore are like neck and neck but he's I it's very close it's very close I don't like having Rashawn Slater all the way down at 13 where I had him in my last mock draft it pained me to do that but man it's close and then number 10 Micah Parsons Outside of character concerns, this dude might be a top-five prospect. But character concerns are a big thing. You saw a guy like Ruben Foster drop all the way almost out of the first round. I'm not saying that's what Micah Parsons is going to do, but I think he could drop a little bit more than what we're expecting. Josh Rosen, all the way through the draft process, was talked about as the second quarterback getting taken behind either Rosen or Allen. And then he got drafted 10th fourth out of the quarterbacks and then look where he's at now like the character concerns I've never heard I haven't heard exact examples of his character concern issues but I don't know apparently they're pretty big for a lot of teams we'll see how he does in the interview process once his pro day comes along because obviously we're not going to have the combine interviews but pro day interviews are going to be big for him and then for the rest of the list, you got Trey Lance at 11, Justin Fields at 12. I would put Justin Fields above him. I don't think there's that huge of a gap between Fields, Lance, and Wilson. But a lot of people seem to think that. I think they're all very similar styles of quarterbacks. If you want upside, go for Lance. If you want toughness and accuracy and leadership, I would take Justin Fields. If you want the probably the most ready to play, probably Zach Wilson. Ever being 100% honest here. If you want a liver arm, Zach Wilson's your guy. If you want poise, Zach Wilson's probably your guy too. I don't think there's that big of a gap. Then you got Gregory Rousseau, Patrick Sertan, Elijah Vera Tucker, the best guard in the draft, Trayvon Morig, Jeremiah Wosu koromoa one of my favorite players in this entire draft. 6'1", 215, that's safety size, but he's an elite linebacker, and he's going to I'm excited to see where he goes in the draft. Travis Etienne, 18. Pay, 19. Then Jalen Phillips, Kadarius Toney, Najee Harris, JC Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, Zaven Collins, Jalen Mitchell, Christian Deris. I That's actually kind of surprising. He has Jalen Mitchell, Jalen Mayfield, I should say, above Christian Darrisaw I've seen his top five. This is the first time I'm going through the entire list. Christian Derrissaw, I would rank above Jalen Mayfield. I have Derrissaw as the number three tackle in this draft, but Mayfield's right behind him at four. It's not like there's a Huge gap. Mayfield's the—he's very inexperienced. He's got the least amount of games out of these guys, but upside's big. He's gonna be 20 years old when he gets drafted, but he's gone up some against some very good players in his time at Michigan. So I think he'll be fine. But I have Darius just above him. Joe Tr- Tryon—he's kind of risen up draft boards recently. I saw him for the in the first for the first time in the first round today and I saw him twice in the first round. I have not seen him in the first round one time that I can remember throughout this draft process until right now. He's an outside linebacker, more outside linebacker type edge rusher, but he's rising up some draft boards. He raised five spots in Daniel Jeremiah's top fifty prospect. So don't be surprised if he falls into that first round because he's he's on the rise. Uh Levi on another Washington dude, D tackle Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri. Tevin Jenkins at 30. I have Tevin Jenkins as the fifth best tackle in this draft, as does Daniel Jeremiah, so great minds think alike. Greg Newsome, cornerback from Northwestern. He could be another Northwestern dude drafted in the first round. He's risen nine spots in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. Javante Williams, one of two really good running backs from North Carolina, the other one being Michael Carter. Those are the two next best running backs after Harris and Etienne, easily. Jason Oway. Linebacker from Penn State, edge rusher, linebacker. Mac Jones at 34. Jamin Davis from Kentucky, linebacker. Tutu Atwell, speedster wide receiver from Louisville. He dropped five spots in this. Landon Dickerson, he was Alabama center. He tore his ACL during this season, but apparently his recovery is going very well. I have him at number five in my interior line rankings based solely on the fact that he has a torn ACL. He's in seven spots in this, but he's a big dude, much like Deontay Brown, the other interior lineman from Bama. He's De, Brown's bigger, but Landon Dickerson's probably the better prospect. I think it's very close between him and Creed Humphrey for that third interior off to lineman spot. Both centers, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Landon Dickerson from Alabama. I think they're very similar styles of players, very close in prospects. But I have Dickerson. I even put him below Trey Smith, which might be a little. Harsh on Landon Dickerson, but that ACL thing is a big factor in that. Uh, Ronnie Perkins, edge rusher from Oklahoma. Aziz Ojolari, the next one at 39, seems a little low for Ojolari. Terrace Marshall Jr. at number 40. Christian Barmore, the Alabama D-tackle at 41. Kelvin Joseph, cornerback from Kentucky. He's been raising up some draft boards recently as well. He's not ranked in the last one. Jabril Cox, linebacker from LSU. Transfer from North Dakota State. His brother is still at North Coast State. So if you want to watch his brother play, go do that. Jabril Cox, I have him just below Nick Bolton as the next linebacker spot, like very close. They're very close in that regard for me. Dylan Rand-Unez, I've never been able to pronounce this dude's name, the tackle from North Coast State. So that's three, I'm including Jabril, Jabril Cox in this, three North Coast State prospects in the top 50. That's very impressive. For an FCS school, that's very impressive. They have more top 50 prospects than the University of Iowa. Than a lot of other big schools. And Iowa consistently has people drafted. In North Dakota State's got three players. And I don't think Cox or Randu, Randunez, again, that's going to struggle with me. That and the D-Tacker from Washington. I've struggled with those two names. R-A-D-U-N-Z. If you can tell me how to pronounce that, tell me. Or you going to want to do like the, what is it called? The phonetic spelling of it to help me out a little bit it would very much help but three prospects again you can be nitpiggy with Jabril Cox whatever but then Davion Nixon at 45 dropped 10 spots which is big for him dropping's big I don't know where Davion Nixon will go I have him going somewhere on day two whether it be second round or third round some people in the early draft process had him going in the first round I don't really see that but you never know there's players that sneak up into the first round that probably shouldn't have been taken there that fall into that first round category, so we might see that, but I think he's a day two pick, especially with how far he dropped in this. Ten spots. That's the farthest movement at anybody in this list. Rashad Bateman at 46, the wide receiver from Minnesota. He had a down year, but Minnesota as a team had a down year. Tanner Morgan was not the same quarterback this year. They had a really good rushing attack with Muhammad Ibrahim this year, which basically cut off everything they had to their pass offense. If you watched Minnesota play, especially in the early portions of their season, Muhammad Ibrahim was dominating teams. He was unstoppable at times for Minnesota. So it kind of haltered what was once a very impressive passing offense with Rashad Bateman and Brian Johnson. I think that's his name. The wide receiver for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't remember his first name. for It's escaping me. Uh, Liam Etchenberg, the off to the tackle of Notre Dame, creaks in to number 47. Aaron Robinson, a cornerback from UCF, dripped down a little bit. Pat Fryermuth, dropped down to 49th. And here's our biggest mover, 11 places. Yeah, this is the next best tight end in the draft. Kyle Pitts to Daniel Jeremiah is the third best player. He's 49th. That shows the gap in these widers, in these tight ends. In this draft class. And then Elijah Moore, who is a very talented wide receiver from Ole Miss, dropping out of the top 50, is, or almost dropping out. He's at seven spots. He's at number 50. And then who dropped out? Patrick Jones from Pittsburgh. Marlon Teo, not even going to try, from USC. <laughs> D-Tackle, uh, James Hudson from Cincinnati, an offensive tackle. Eric Stokes from Georgia. Ideo Bingo I think I pronounced, I'm sorry, I butchered that, but whatever, from, from Vanderbilt. So there's no, like, Rondell Moore, not in here. Wyatt Davis, not in here. Who else is not in here that people might be surprised about not being in? Spencer Brown, not in here. Is there anybody else I'm really missing out Michael Carter might be hard-pressed to be out of this list. Might be. But to have four running backs in the top 50 is impressive enough. It would be impressive. They had three in there already with Harris, Etienne, and Carter. Jeez, oh, I forgot. Williams, Javante Williams. I combined Williams and Carter to become Javante Carter. But that's not his name. It's Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Might as well be called the same person. They're both extremely dominant, both insane running backs, which it's crazy to have two 1,000-yard rushers on your team. Sam Howell next year, if we're talking about quarterbacks next year, Sam Howell will be more than likely, the number one quarterback taken in the draft. I would be shocked if he wasn't at this point in time. There's some talented ass quarterbacks coming back to college football this year. You have DJ at Clemson, Bryce Young, who we talked about a ton last off season. We talked about Bryce Young almost every single show because Alabama's quarterback competition was a lot big, was very big between Mac Jones and Bryce Young. You have a guy coming in where people consider him better than Kyler Murray coming out of high school. That's big from Matter Day, biggest high school in California, or at least the most successful one when it comes to football players. And he decommits from USC to come to Bama, and then Mac Jones keeps the starting job. That's a testament to Mac Jones. Then you got Spencer Rattler there, Oklahoma. Brock Purdy's coming back. You can hope Spencer Petrus is a lot better than what he was this year for Iowa, very subpar to say the least dylan gabriel at ucf kevin slovis at usc is another really good quarterback like there's so many good quarterbacks out there right now and i'm probably missing out a lot of them because there's emery jones at florida he's getting a lot of preseason hype as a dark horse heisman candidate like there's some there's some good quarterbacks in college football right now very good quarterbacks and again i'm missing out some quarterbacks but this year, or this next year, I guess, well, I guess it still is this year, 2021 college football season, 2021-22, it's going to be fun in regards to the quarterbacks we can watch because this point last year, we didn't really know what the draft's going to look like in regards to quarterbacks. Next year, we're going to have some talented quarterbacks. It's going, to be between, it's going to be between Rattler and Howell for the number one overall pick or the number one quarterback taken because for those of you who don't know, you just need to play, you need to be out of high school for three years. Rattler's a junior. Howell's a junior. or Rattler might be a redshirt sophomore. I'm not really sure how that worked out. No, he's not. He played when Jalen Hurts was there. So he's a, he's a junior now. And he played in the later latter portions of the season. So I know he's not a redshirt. But those two, Slovis will creep up into there as well. Brock Purdy might get talked about in there as well. Dylan Gabriel, another one. Maybe Emory Jones. I don't know. There's going to... it's there going to... DJ... He can't sneak up in there yet, but he's only a sophomore. But Bryce Young's gonna be up there next year as well, not or two years from now. Bryce Young will probably be the number one overall pick when it's all said and done. Dude's a freaking beast. Playing for Nick Saban, he's gonna be. This might be controversial when you look at some of the quarterbacks Alabama's had over the years. He's the most talented quarterback Nick Saban has had at Alabama. If you've never watched Bryce Young play football, Go and watch his high school tape because he is insanely talented. And I know you got Tua, you got Mac Jones, A.J. McCarron, you've got, who else, <laughs> John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, Blake Sims, Jacob Coker or Jack Coker, whatever, the transfer from Florida State. you got some good quarterbacks there. None have been better or none are more talented than Bryce Young. And ta- again, talent does not mean you're better than a, a better quarterback. That's We've talked about that a thousand times. Talent could get you so far. Like, look at Tate Martell. He's talented. I don't know, he's, I don't know where he's transferring to next. Man, I'm excited. Next year's going to be fun. But for me, going back to the top 50 list, looking at the top five prospects. My top five prospects, just off the top, off the dome, I mean, number one, Trevor Lawrence. I think that's self-explanatory. Best quarterback since Andrew Luck to get drafted, and I saw this. He's a one of those. Uh, he's the fourth can't miss quarterback in NFL draft history. The other three being Andrew Luck, John Elway, and Peyton Manning. I get the Peyton Manning thing, but as opposed to Andrew Luck and John Elway, at that time, it's fine to look at Peyton Manning now and saying, "Oh yeah, he's can't miss because he's drafted number one overall." They were 50-50 on him and Ryan Leaf. And we talked about this a couple shows ago, how different the whole shape of the NFL would be if the Colts drafted Ryan Leaf instead of Peyton Manning. The Chargers don't draft the Danny and Tomlinson. Do the Falcons still draft Michael Vick? Where do Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger go? Who knows? Drew Brees doesn't get drafted by the Chargers. Who knows when all this stuff takes place? So like, you can say Peyton Manning was a can't-miss prospect. I don't care. He wasn't at that time. They were stuck between him and Ryan Leaf. So it's, you can't really call him a can't-miss if they were stuck between two people. Because can't-miss means you take this person and don't look back. From everything I have heard from that draft, the 98 draft, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf were 1A, 1B. It wasn't like Andrew Luck and RG3 where we knew RG3 was going to go second, but he was never talked about as the number one overall pick. Never. Throughout the time he was getting drafted, he was always the second quarterback getting taken. Always. Was never talked about as the number one pick. It was always Andrew Luck. That's a can't miss. You don't go, he's a can't miss, then go, well, we could also draft Ryan Leaf. We could also draft RG3. No, that's not a can't miss then. You know you're going to draft this dude number one. Like, there was suck for luck campaign. He had tank for Trevor this year. That's can't miss. Not, I don't know if we, who we could take here. Do we take Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf? That's not can't miss. So I apologi- apologize for the Peyton Manning lovers out there. I myself am a fan of Peyton Manning. But one, he wasn't in can't miss. And two, he's not the GOAT, so shut up about that. There's still some people out there that will die on that hill, and I will never understand it. But hey, you're entitled to your opinion. But Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. He's the best player in the draft. Two, Kyle Pitts, for me, as I just said, no drops in the red zone. Tight ends are mostly targeted in the red zone. That's their most important spot to beat. He has no drops in the red zone. He has no fumbles. He rarely drops the ball anyways. He's matched up against corners constantly and still beats them. Number one tight end against corners when matched up against them. He's a matchup freaking nightmare. 6'6", 245 pounds. I would take him and then even split him out wide. It's not a normal tight end where he's going to line up with his hand in the dirt all the time. You can line Kyle Pitts up as a number one wide receiver if you really wanted to. You can't lose with a guy like Kyle Pitts. And that's why I should have kept him in Philly, because my draft that I have out right now, or not right now, the one I'm going to put out on the 8th of March, has Kyle Pitts going in the top 10, which is where he'll probably go, as he should go. Because again, though I think he's the second best player in the draft, Certain teams of different needs that could keep him from being the second best player, second player taken in the draft. We I mean, don't know what the Jets are doing. I think the Jets would be fine to take Kyle Pitts, but probably not at number two because you're going to have to take a, t- a team with a quarterback and try and trade up. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too because Mel Kiper might have that going on. Number three, I have Penny Sewell. His size, his upside is very good. You cannot. It's very hard to find a very elite left tackle prospect. He's not the finished product. Daniel Jeremiah notes that, which is why he has Rashawn Slater above him, and I totally understand that. But I would put him at three, and then Slater at four. That's how I would view it. And then at number five, I would put Jamar Chase. So my top five is Lawrence, Pitts, Sewell, Slater, and Jamar Chase. And we're rounding out the top ten. Number six would I throw at number six I don't know I kind of like Jalen Waddle being at number six I kind of like that Jalen Waddle at six actually yeah six seven as far as the player goes Micah Parsons goes at seven number eight throw Zach Wilson there at number eight because I think he's he probably is being like if we're looking at comparing him to Justin Fields it's close I'm putting Justin Fields at nine I think they're right next to each other and then Devontae Smith at 10. That's what I would do. So we have one defensive player in that whole top 10. <laughs> and that's Micah Parsons, which to be fair, Daniel Jeremiah has two. So just not as high on Caleb Farley as he is. I have Caleb Farley like at number 11. I don't think he's the fifth best player in the entire draft. So we got Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Sewell, Slater, then Chase, Waddle. Parsons, Wilson Fields, Smith. That's my top 10. And then Lance at probably 11 or 12. Caleb Farley at uh, probably 11. Lance at 12. And then you can rate them however you want, and then I won't really care. Najee Harris versus Travis Etienne is a really interesting battle. I think if you want a wide receiver with versatility, you take Etienne. If you want a wide receiver that can catch out of the backfield with an elite size, you take Najee Harris. Najee Harris is like four or five inches taller than Travis Etienne. But he can't split out as well as Travis Etienne does, where Etienne lines up in the slot a lot at Clemson, and he has the most receiving yards out of all the backs in this draft class. So, you know, it's, it's give and take. If you want a downhill runner, you take a guy like Najee Harris, who's also a superior athlete, and he can jump over players. So it's like ridiculous. I don't know if, naja, if Travis Etienne can do that if he has done it i haven't seen it so it could be on youtube or something i just haven't seen it but man players like farley like trey lance are just raw and awesome to watch i posted a clip on my instagram story today of trey lance turning a third and 23 at the 44 yard line to a freaking touchdown third and 23 plus 44 equals six trey lance we talked about this the other day He's the best playmaker in this draft. He has the most upside and is the best overall playmaker out of the quarterback positions because he's the best runner and coupling that with his throwing ability is very good. He's a very smart player as well. He never turned the ball over until his one-game showcase against Central Arkansas last this past year. Had one interception. Didn't throw the ball very well. Went 15 of 30, but rushed for over 100 yards again with a rushing touchdown. And you, if you want to see his importance, go and watch North Dakota State because Zeb Nolan cannot do <laughs> what Trey Lance can do. And being a guy that watched a lot of UNI football last year, watching a lot of FCS football in general, this might be by I love Trey Lance. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft class. I think you could put Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields in any order because I think there's traits that are very desirable from all three. I'm not really going to sit here and criticize a list that has Wilson, Lance, and Fields. But like in that order, though it's easy to because you look at what Justin Fields did at Ohio State, played the most games, played the toughest competition. I get, I get why people would not be happy seeing a guy like Justin Fields below Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, who played at North Coast State and BYU. But that shouldn't take away from their talent, which is immense. Both of those two are ridiculously talented players. Lance and wilson i don't want to take any all of those guys are so much more athletically gifted than mac jones it's ridiculous i don't get the drafts that say mac jones will go before one of those people but you never know it's the nfl draft i didn't think daniel jones would go before uh dwayne haskins that happened i knew daniel jones would go to the giants i didn't think he'd go with the sixth pick i thought he'd go with the 17th pick but uh, not in my last mock draft i actually had them i think Take him in the second round because that's where his grade was so you never know what these types of things Daniel Jones of the Giants did it was going to happen we all knew it was going to happen it was just <laughs> the surprise they got taken at sixth oh man Daniel Jeremiah is the best when it comes to draft stuff but people love themselves and Mel Kuyper who famously said or infamously said that he would retire if Jimmy Clausen didn't turn out to be <laughs> a star in the NFL well Jimmy Clausen was not a star in the NFL, and Mel Kuyper's still here. So I think we can't take Mel Kuyper on his word. He also said no trades in the draft, and then he throws in trades in his first NFL draft. Or not his first. This is Mock Draft 2.0, I think. So here we go. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. Same old, same old. Number two, he had Atlanta trading up to Justin, for Zach Wilson. Now, he's one of the people that doesn't think the Jets will trade uh, Sam Darnold which I would be cool with the Jets doing whatever. I think you don't really lose this situation because I get the whole Sam Darnold to Zach Wilson is a very horizontal step. It's not very, if you're taking Zach Wilson's like you're taking a giant step forward or anything. No, it's very similar in regards to where they were as prospects. They're not really that much different, which is why I can totally see or get behind the Jets keeping Sam Darnold and actually building around him. I think that'd be very smart because I think Sam Donald's definitely got talent, but the Jets have royally double-birded him. He's not been helped out at all. He's had a bottom 5 line, bottom 5 running game, bottom 5 weapons. <laughs> Worst coaching. <laughs> I don't know. Matt Patricia was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> Freddie Kitch was pretty bad as well. But he hasn't been helped out a lot <laughs> with... The Jets. <laughs> Let's just say it like that. He had a sucky GM. Now he's got a good GM. He seems like, It seems like he's got a good head coach in Robert Sala. He's got a really talented offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur, who's the brother of Packers coach Matt LaFleur. So you like that connection there. He's a Matt, Kyle Shanahan disciple, which is very big for a lot of prospects. Quarterback-friendly system in Kyle Shanahan's system. You would hope Mike LaFleur is the same way. Time will tell on that. But Robert Sala seems like a very good hire for the Jets. And if they want to keep Sam... Go ahead. I think they should draft Justin or Zach Wilson because it just hasn't worked out for Sam. I think it'd be fine for both of them to move on and then be perfectly happy with it. I think it would work out best if they both moved on. But if you think you can salvage Sam, go ahead. Because you're getting a mystery no matter what. You don't know if Zach Wilson won't pan out, but you also don't know Sam Darnold's got anything left of the tank. So there's two things that we've got going on here that are very iffy. Like with Sam Darnold... Like you can look at Troy Aikman's career early. They sucked. The Cowboys were awful when Troy Aikman got drafted. Peyton Manning holds the rookie record in interceptions. So like you can give these rookie these young players time, but the Jets right now, they're gonna be in that situation of what do we do with this fifth year option? So this will might this might be a prove it year type thing. Now the Jets, I think it'd be smart to trade back. I don't know with who, because there's gonna be a few teams that need quarterbacks. Like The Falcons could use your future guy. The Panthers, unless they trade for Deshaun. The Broncos, the 49ers, the Washington football team, the Bears. There's a few teams. The Patriots, all these teams could trade up for quarterbacks. You never know. You never know. So they have Zach Wilson. Dolphins take Smith. Makes sense. Jets taking Pitts. Makes sense. Give them an elite weapon in Kyle Pitts, something that no one else in this draft can do. That's what Kyle Pitts is. We've talked about that before, which is why I think he's the second best player in this draft class. So if you want to put him in the Jets... I don't think they should take him with the second pick, which seems kind of hypocritical from me because I think he's the second best player in the draft, so don't take him with the second pick. You can take him later. you got to get value for these picks. You can think he's the second best player in the draft, but if you think you can get him later, go ahead and do it. be perfectly fine. The Dolphins won't take him, I don't think. They could. They have Mike Gusecki, who's an athletic freak at tight end, but he'd probably get an upgrade with Kyle Pitts. Five Bengals, Penny Sewell, makes sense eagles jamar chase makes sense need wide receivers or offensive help they're going to get some sort of weapon this year i think kyle pitts would be the best one him and uh if chase is available then yes take him take him if if jamar chase is available he has the 49ers trading up with detroit to take justin fields i think that'd be a fun fit i think that trey lance fits their offense more and from what it sounds like they're not ready to move on from jimmy g I think Trey Lance would be well-served to learn from a guy like Jimmy G for a year and learn from Kyle Shanahan, get acclimated to the Kyle Shanahan system. But Justin Fields could do the same thing. He could get acclimated to the system as well. I just think Trey Lance fits the 49ers mold more than Justin Fields does. Next, Carolina taking Mac Jones, coaching at the Senior Bowl. Makes sense. It makes sense. I think they'll take Justin Fields. I don't think 49ers will trade to take Fields. If they do, that'd be cool. I'd love to see Justin Fields play for the 49ers, but Mac Jones at eight makes sense as well. Going to the Panthers, I guess, makes sense. At eight, I don't know about that. Uh, Next one, Broncos trading back with New England to take Trey Lance. That'd be miserable, but that'd be a situation where Trey Lance would have to play right away, and I don't think he's ready to do that. He could prove me wrong. He totally proved me wrong. Josh Allen had to play week one because Nathan Peterman was so bad, but that was more of an error on the bills, more than a, what, we th- what Josh Allen was at that time. Everybody knew he wasn't ready, but you had Nathan Peterman to learn from, you A.J. McCarron. These aren't the best quarterbacks to learn from. So once they got a steady backup system there with Matt Barkley and Derek Anderson, he was fine. And now he's an MVP candidate. He came second in the MVP voting this year. So Josh Allen is similar to that of Trey Lance. They're very similar. North Coast State, Wyoming, same geographical area. Similar style of play. I think Trey Lance is more accurate and a better runner than Josh. Josh has a stronger arm than Trey Lance. But they're similar in rawness. And I think going to the Patriots, I don't think that would work for him. I think a guy like Mac Jones would be best served going there. Because, I don't know, I just feel like Jones fits the best with the Patriots. Now, that's obvious. Similar similar draft report to Tom Brady, Shanahan, Eric compare. Belichick, easy. it's an easy fit. So if they trade up, I think it'll be for Jones. Dallas taking Sertan, they're going to take a corner. If he thinks Sertan's the best one, then they'll take Sertan. Giants, Jalen Wile, I think that fits awesome. You got Joe Judge, who was the former wide receivers coach for the Patriots while also being the special teams coordinator for the Patriots. Was Jalen Wile, we said this in the, the way too early top 18 draft that we did back in early January. It just makes sense Javon, Jalen Waddle is the second best wide receiver and the best like weapon in regards to what you can do in the offense and the return game so I think he'd be perfect for the Giants uh 12 Lions taking Micah Parsons fits defense sucks get a game-changing linebacker there Chargers taking Rashawn Slater they're going to need guard help guard tackle help whatever they're going to need to improve their own line center over to left tackle stinks just improved that. Belaga, Trey Turner on the right side's pretty solid. So if you want to play Slater at center, go ahead. Guard, go ahead. Tackle, even better. It fits. Uh, Vikings, Elijah Vere Tucker, makes sense. Need guard, tackle help, whatever. He can play both. Played left tackle at USC. Going to be a guard in the NFL, it seems like. Just makes sense. Broncos, Caleb Farley, 15. I don't think he'll be available at 15. I think he's going to be the first cornerback taken. So I don't think Denver trading back to take Farley makes a lot of sense. I don't even think Sertan will be at 15. So if they're trading back they're, and they want a corner, they're targeting a guy like J.C. Horn. I don't think they're getting a guy like Sertan or Farley at 15. Now that could also go to what happens with the quarterback situation, which is what happens here where two teams trade up in the draft to take quarterbacks. A place for Sir Tanner Farley to go. Obvious fit would be San Francisco, who need a corner. That's a fit there. So if you think Farley would slip all the way to 15, go ahead. I just don't think that will happen. It could happen. And then J.C. Horn going at 16 just makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Trayvon Moring, the safety from TCU, easily the best safety in the draft. Raiders are going to draft defense with this pick. At least it seems like they are. Yeah. Whoever you think the best defensive player available is, that's who I think the Raiders will take. Dolphins, Jeremiah Wosu, Koromoa. Makes a lot of sense. Him and Brian Flores' assistant would be awesome, which is painful for me to say. I have I had him rotating between the Raiders and Dolphins for the last two mock drafts, and I couldn't decide which one I wanted to go to. But the Raiders picked first. I think it'd be hard to pass in a guy like Koromoa when you look at the Raiders and Mike Mayock's draft history of athletic freaks, fast. That's what Koromoa is. He's an athletic freak, side to side football linebacker that can make every play similar to that of Derek brooks i'm not saying he is Derek brooks but he's a similar style player to Derek brooks but jeremiah wosu koromoa is going i'll say this right now i'm gonna say he either goes to miami or oakland or las vegas i mean i don't even do that on purpose sometimes i do that on purpose i did that on accident it just makes too much sense now i don't think he'll go behind mo Ring. uh washington football team christian derisaw makes sense what i had Chicago Bears, Kadarius Toney, makes sense as well. Colts, Gregory Rousseau, here's the first edge rusher taken in the draft. So do I think he'll fall all the way to here? No, I think his length is too much to pass on early in the draft. I think that's the main reason why he'll get taken first out of the edge rushers. And when he played, he had the second most sacks in college football behind the former number two overall pick, and the reigning defensive rookie of the year in Chase Young. He's a beast. His length is unteachable. You can't teach length and speed. He has both. He has production. He opted out this past year. But when he played, he has production. I think he's locked in to go somewhere in the top 20. I don't know if he'll slip all the way to 21. It could happen, though, but I, I, I just don't see it happening. Next one, Titans Jalen Phillips. Depending on who you ask, he's the second best red rusher in the draft. I have him at number three behind Quiddie Pay. Even though I had Jalen Phillips going to Miami in mock draft 2.0, mostly because of the geographical fit, I think Jalen Phillips would make a lot of sense going to Miami. Doesn't mean I think he's a better player than Quiddie Pay. I think they're very similar. And not similar players, but in like draft stock situations. And then Pay going 23 to New York, to the Jets. Makes sense. Edge rusher, 4-3 defensive end. Makes sense. Steelers, Landon Dickerson, the center. Mike Pouncey just retired, along with Mar- or Marquise Pouncey. Well, hey, Mike Pouncey retired, but Marquise Pouncey, former Steelers center, retired. They're going to need O-line help. Don't know which of lineman they're going to draft. Dickerson is it. Makes sense. Center. Going to need a center. If you think he's better than Humphrey, take him. If you think Humphrey's better, take him. If you want to tackle, take one of them. Jacksonville, Christian Barmore. Makes sense. Cleveland Browns, Zayven Collins. Makes sense. Ravens, Terrace Marshall, I think makes sense as well. I really like Terrace Marshall. Right before the Super Bowl, my mock draft, before I posted, I had to edit it after the, right after the Super Bowl. I had Terrace Marshall going to the Kansas City Chiefs at 32 because I thought he was a similar style of height, weight, speed, playing style to that of Sammy Watkins, who's a free agent. So I thought that made a lot of sense for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward. They wanted a player similar of that to Sammy Watkins. Uh, jason oway to the saints at 28 sure joe tryon the edge rusher from washington going to green bay see what happens with azarian smith zadarius smith and preston smith so we'll have to see what happens there but it makes sense buffalo tevin jenkins i had him going to buffalo in mock draft 2.0 then changed it i had a whole reasoning typed out he's the first reason i typed up on mock draft 2.0 but i don't know if he'll fall all the way to buffalo if he does it's going to be very hard for the Bills to pass on him. Due to a natural right tackle, Daryl Williams might be gone in free agency because if you look at the other big-name free agents the Bills have in John Feliciano and Mike Milano, I think those two are more likely to come back to Buffalo. Matt Milano is insanely important to my, Sean McDermott's defense, and John Feliciano is important to the O-line as a leader and his connection with Josh Allen's key. So Daryl Williams, though, coming off a very good year, might be gone. Zavon, Tevin Jenkins makes a lot of sense for Buffalo. Uh, Walker Little, a tackle from Stanford going to Kansas City. I, I don't know if I see Little going in the first round. At the beginning of the like if you go back to last year, right after the draft, Little was a top 10 pick almost locked on. He was a first round draft pick going into last year's draft before he decided to come back. But I don't know if he's going to go in the first round. That's one where I'm confused about where I haven't seen him go in the first round until there. And I think the Chiefs need more help on the interior O-line as opposed to the tackle positions. Even though Eric Fisher is going to be out for the season with the torn Achilles. So think of that what you will if you think you need a draft to draft a tackle to replace him. He's an alright tackle. He's a good tackle. But you could probably improve on that. And then Aziz Jalari going to the Bucks outside linebacker, makes sense in their 3-4 defense. Makes a ton of sense. There's some picks that don't make a lot of sense or are head scratchers a little bit. I did a lot of trades in the past. I'm done with trades in the NFL draft because when you do trades, it just screws up everything. Because, yeah, sure, it... You can get a player right, but it looks weird when you said, oh, Jalen Rager going 28th, and he actually goes 21st, or whatever he went, because the Vikings had the 22nd pick last year. So I'm, I'm not doing trades anymore. Even though it makes sense to do trades, I'm not going to do the trades. I'm more going where I think they'll go rather than the position they'll actually get drafted in. Does that make any sense? So I think, like Justin Fields, I don't think he'll be there at 8, but I think he'll go to the Panthers. That's saying the Panthers will probably trade up, but for the sake of this mock draft, I'm not going to have them trade up because trades are difficult to do and you can't guarantee a team's actually going to trade. Like the Jets last year, they were talking about trading all the way up to the draft because they had no picks. And with Joe Douglas, and actually I do not they fired their GM right after the draft, I think. So they take Quentin Williams instead, instead of trading back with someone like Washington who with Dan Snyder running the draft, you thought, Washington would, be, would send a lot of picks to take Dwayne Haskins because that's who they were linked with. And obviously took. Now he's not on the team anymore. So we'll see who takes the quarterbacks, Washington, what they do at quarterback, the Bears, what they do. Because you got quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson who have said the Bears are options for them. And I saw this list today. I sent it to Cole who is a big Bears fan. I have a lot of friends who are Bears fans, and I love Bears fans. They're so funny because they're so pessimistic. It's awesome. Robert Mays tweeted this. and It got a lot of 32,000 likes, almost 39,000 likes. Good Lord. Put a list of the greatest Bears quarterbacks of all time. Sid Luckman, Jay Cutler, Eric Kramer, Russell Wilson saying he played for the Bears and the Jim McMahon. Anybody that says they'll play for the Bears is a Bears' best quarterback of all time. The Bears, Bills, and Browns are similar... And their quarterback, Cursity, I guess. And the Jets can be up there as well. And then, who else would be on that list of terrible quarterbacks all their, throughout their entire history? I don't know. Browns, Bills. Browns, Bills, Bears, Jets. There's got to be one more team that I'm just completely blanking out on, right? There's got to be some bad team that has a terrible quarterback situation that I just can't remember. Like, the Cardinals... Maybe, but they had like Carson Palmer, they had Kurt Warner, the Buccaneers, that's who I'm looking for, (laughs) other than Tom Brady, who is now, after one season, the greatest quarterback in Buccaneers history. You look at the vast history, they've had some good quarterbacks, but just not there. They had Steve Young, they had Vinny Testaverde, they had Doug Williams, all of those guys (laughs) had very successful careers after the Buccaneers. Steve Young won a Super Bowl and as a Hall of Famer, Doug Williams was the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins when they were called that. Vinny Testaverde had a very good career, very long career, mostly playing for like the Browns and the Jets, having the most success of those two franchises. And that Jameis Winston's probably going to have success in New Orleans next year. But The Bucks are like a graveyard for quarterbacks. And they've had a lot of top quarterback picks. <laughs> and Tom Brady is the first one. That has actually worked out. Before Tom Brady, you could argue their greatest quarterback ever was Brad Johnson. If your greatest quarterback ever is Brad Johnson, you're in trouble. And the Bears, like Sid Luckman, he's their greatest quarterback, but Jay Cutler's their all-time leading passer. It's like you look at the Bears' quarterback history. Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl with the Bears. It's ridiculous, the Bears' quarterback history. The Bills have had like 25 quarterbacks in my lifetime. I'm 23 years old. It's an insane number of quarterbacks. I'll name them right now. Just for fun. You have Todd Collins was after. This is after Jim Kelly. Because for the Bills, the three, the four greatest quarterbacks, or five greatest quarterbacks of all time in Buffalo, number one, Jim Kelly, and then no order after that, Joe Ferguson, Jack Kemp, Doug Flutie, and Josh Allen. That's the top five quarterbacks in Buffalo Bills history. What <laughs> could are you could probably throw in like Tyrod or uh Drew Bledsoe, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the top five most people have probably never heard of jack kemp or joe ferguson but joe ferguson was one of my first football cards he's a quarterback after jack kemp so you have for the bills todd collins flutie rob johnson this is three we're gonna try and go in order so i don't know if i, I could get this wrong alex van pelt drew bloodsoe jp lossman then after jp lossman you had kelly holcomb Trent edwards Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's probably someone more in there. Kyle Orton, that's ten. And I'm not going in order anymore. E.J. Manuel, Jeff Toole, who was around Tyrod, the Levi Brown. He was before all those guys though. Thirteen, and then who else did we have? So you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jeff Toole, E.J., Matt Castle, Tyrod Taylor, Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman. Uh, Derek anderson matt barkley thad lewis that's 10 joe webb (laughs) 11 oh man that's 21 i mean and i'm probably missing some quarterbacks in there as well 21 quarterbacks i think did i say nathan peterman i think i did there's some quarterbacks i'm probably missing out on though and i apologize to those bills legends that i did not say because there's some fantastic quarterbacks that i missed out there if i forgot them but that's 21 quarterbacks i can think of off the top of my head that played for the bills recently throughout my lifetime which is not a great thing the jets their greatest quarterbacks joe namath they've had no quarterbacks since then uh <laughs> Vinny testaverde is probably the next great quarterback in the jets list him and chad pennington and then you've had quarterbacks like boomer siason Neil O'Donnell, who we talked about the lost decade of the Jets when we did the top five dumbest thing during the summer last year. You had Frank Reich for a little bit. You had Ken O'Brien, who you took over Dan Marino. Like, there's so many bad quarterbacks. with Geno Smith. Oh, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you had talked about, as one of the greatest Jets quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> oh, man. I love making fun of quarterbacks. Teams with quarterbacks. And with the Cardinals, what, yeah, Kyler Murray now, Jordan, J- Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer, Kurt Warner, Josh McCown. Who else played for the Cardinals as a quarterback? Sir <laughs> John Skelton? Who else played a quarterback for the Cardinals? Jake Plummer played for the Cardinals for a little bit before he went to Denver. Oh, man. This is funny. I'm enjoying this. I, I enjoy this. But... Russell Wilson, if he goes to the Bears, that'd be freaking awesome. Lewis Riddick said he'd send everything to the Seahawks for the for Russell Wilson. Oh man. Apparently Russell Wilson doesn't necessarily want to leave. He hasn't requested a trade, but he'd probably be cool with a trade. I don't know where he'd go. Apparently it's between like the Dolphins, Jets, Bears, Saints, and someone else, but I can't remember. The Raiders. And then Deshaun's got the Jets, Panthers, and Dolphins are his apparently top three. I've heard the Broncos are in there as well, and the 49ers obviously are going to be in there as well. For those two, if I had to predict places where they'd go, I'd love to see Deshaun Watson in Carolina. I think that'd be awesome to see him there, but I think he'll probably go to the Jets. <laughs> it's To me, I think the smartest place to go is Miami, because they're the best out of those three teams, but potential-wise, you got Carolina and the Jets, you could... Maybe build something. <laughs> Maybe. Jets got a shit ton of picks. And they got a shit ton of cap space too. So they could build something, even if they trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't know how good. They could build some. Carolina's got very good young pieces on their team right now. Good receiving core. Improving O-line. I think that'd fit. Miami obviously makes the most sense. They're, they're most ready to win now. For Russell... I don't know. Probably the Bears. <laughs> I think it'd be funny. And I think the Bears I love the Bears. I'm not I don't want to send any hate to the Bears. I absolutely love them as a franchise. Love their fans, love everything about them. I remember they said they were going to be aggressive about quarterbacks. They're probably going to end up with Mitchell Trubisky again. If we're being 100% honest, probably end up with Trubisky. Which would be pretty fun. I would love to see Trubisky back in the Chicago but I don't think I don't think Matt Nagy really wants him there, but maybe he does. Maybe Matt Nagy puts on a front and he's like, okay, behind stage or behind everybody's back, we're cool, but I can't let anybody else know I'm cool with you. It's one of those situations where, like, the popular kid is friends with, like, one of the biggest losers in school, but he's, he's going, hey, kid, Mitch, gonna, we're not – we're friends, okay? But when my other cool friends come by, we're not friends anymore. I'm going to bench you and make up some phantom shoulder injury. That's the situation I think is going on in Chicago. I think for the Bears, I think it just seems too obvious not to have Mitchell Trubisky come back because that's such a Bears thing to happen. I would absolutely love it. Oh, man. Trubisky and the Bears. What a, what a match made in heaven. And you know what? I think that's enough football for today. <laughs> I think we're done talking about football. I think that's a good stopping point. But before I get off, I just want to say, this has been a great year for Logan Blackman sports teams. Like, good Lord, this year has been so much better to me for my sporting teams than any year possible. The Like, in 2021 alone, you had the Bills making the AFC Championship game, the Bulls are the frickin' sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, Zach Levine's an all-star, and the Chicago frickin' Blackhawks, who I thought were going to come in last in the Central, are one point behind the Tampa Bay Lightning in the standings, who they lost to 5-1 the opening game of the season with Suter and Lankinen as Rookie of the Year candidates. Like, who would have thought that? Not me. I knew the Red Wings would be complete ass, but I didn't think the Blackhawks would be doubling their points. Or nearly doubling their points, I guess. Last time I checked, it was 13 to 26. Now it's 15 to 26. Oh man. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. If you would have told me the Blackhawks, after playing one more game than the Blues, would have more points than them, I would have called you crazy. I would have wouldn't have seen that happening. Man. And the Cubs, I don't know what they're gonna do. Chris Bryant dick slapped a home run off Jake Arietta in batting practice today so that was pretty trill so I'd be cool with that if the Cubs want to do something this year that'd be really cool if Sporting Kansas City wants to do something that'd be really cool Manchester United is in the top three of the league in the Premier League oh my goodness this year's been awesome for Logan Blackman's sporting teams sports teams oh man I'm excited. This has been a fun year so far for Logan Blackman in sports. Oh, man. Now I just need to get every pick right in the mock draft, and I'll be happy. And I calculated it. We're going to have six mock drafts because I'm doing it two, one, two a month, essentially. And we're, we've are we just finished up February. We've got two months till the NFL draft, which is April 29th, I think. Could be wrong about that. I think it's April 29th. So we'll post one, if I look at a calendar, which I've got one right here on my laptop. So I post the one on the 8th, the 22nd. I'll post the next one on the 8th, and then the 22nd of March. Funny how that works out. It's the exact same. The 8th and 22nd of February, 8th and 22nd of March. And then we'll go to the 5th of April, and then the 26th, or the day of the draft. Because the 26th is the Monday before the draft, but I might Push it closer to the actual draft, so I can get every source I can and ever read every article I can to get the possibly the most accurate draft I can. But that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed the show. If you want to be a guest in the show in the future, just shoot me a DM or text message or something, and I could we could do something because it'd be fun. I'm trying to get more friends on the show. I think that'd be fun. If I don't get an interview on, like with a athlete or a coach or something or a scout, maybe. I don't know how likely all that stuff is. It's hard when your show is not very big to get big-name people on there. We're going to have to figure out how to grow the show somehow. I got flyers. So we're going to hand those out and post those all over the freaking city of Des Moines and the state of Iowa. So, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the show today because I sure as hell did. And I will see you guys later. Peace.